0: You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigga with a library card. <laughs> this is the Most Dangerous Thing in America podcast. The show showing the we read books by black authors. And they're talked about by a black author. And you can listen if you are black or not black. That is okay. This week on the podcast, we are talking about Cadwell Turnbull's No Gods, No Monsters, which came out in 2021, a sci-fi fantasy, some people call it a horror book, I think it's more fantasy. We were supposed to be talking about Distributed Blackness by Andre Brock Jr., and we will, but last week I got caught up, we're talking about this instead. And also, because I found this book so interesting, I wanted to talk about it before it left my head. So, like, you know, I was thinking about going and reading Distributed Blackness, which I I actually have started reading. But you know what I mean, starting deep diving into it a bit more. And then I thought, well, if I do that, I might forget what I want to say about No Gods, No Monsters. Plus, I've already started another fiction book, uh, Beautiful World, Where Are You? Shout out to Sally Rooney. I like her. Even though she's not black. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, so I figured we'd talk about this one this week. And then we'll do distributed blackness parts of it next week. I think I'm actually going to just do one part at a time. Because it's so dense. And there's a lot to react to. But this, um, this book came out in 2021. How did I come to it? That's what we always do here. So we're just going to talk about how I came to it. The story. And then, and then uh, just how the story is told. Because there's a lot in how the story is told. So, how did I come to it? Just on Kindle. And it was just suggested to me by the algorithm. Uh, shout out to the algorithm. You know, I hear a lot of pining for the old days, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. There's definitely things that were better in the old days. But I don't think going into bookstores and getting recommendations was necessarily one of them. Now, I, I still like doing that. I love perusing bookstores and just finding something. But uh, having something suggested to me I don't know. Maybe it's uh, because I'm Californian. I enjoy being advertised at. So I got no problem with that. So anyway, it brought me this book. Pretty sure that's how I came to it. If it turns out if this was suggested to me, then discount that entire rant. But yeah, uh, found it on Kindle, read it on Kindle. And it's actually a book, you know, I, I also rarely pine for physical books. At least like not every book I need to read to be physical. I just wouldn't have enough space in my house. Uh, But this one would have been nice because it has some nice visual art in between the chapters. So uh, I'm happy that Kindle brought me the book. I kind of wish I could have read it physically, but I couldn't get it here in China. So there you go. But okay, so what is the story about? So there is a fracture. It's referred to a fracture. And basically, through a viral video, it is revealed that monsters are real and that they walk amongst us and that they always have. And... We just haven't known it, or some of us have, or it's been uh, covered up by secret societies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the fallout from this leads to this kind of... Um, there's like two camps. One camp is like, that didn't happen, and let's just move about with what's going on, and that didn't happen. And another camp is like, no, 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 that totally happened, and this needs to be brought to the forefront and uh kind of puts me in the mind of climate change which i'll come to that later but uh so that's basically the story just there's a fracture uh, pre-monster post-monster and then we are told the story through um many different viewpoints and there's a lot more going on than just that so that's like the barest bones summary that i can give okay So then let's talk about how the story is told because that's a better way of how to discuss the book and like also talk about what the book's about. So the first way the story is told are one of, so I want to talk about two different entry points to the story. So one of these is the kind of omniscient narrator who, okay, so as I was, I think when you're first reading the book, you're like not sure. First of all, he's not omniscient, but we'll get to that. But as you're reading the book, you're like, not sure, is this narrator actually just the author? Is the narrator, the author, Cadwell Turnbull? Is that what's happening here? And then as time goes, and I mean a lot of time goes, you kind of realize like, probably no, that's not. But pieces of the person are based on this guy. And then much later, not well, maybe not much later, but eventually you totally realize like, no, it's definitely not. But so it opens up and there's this character and he is just breaking up with the girl and moving back home. And then at the end of his little opening there, he says, I'm going to tell you a story and the story starts with the body. And so that's why you really might think like, oh, this narrator is just the, the author himself and he's doing a little bit of breaking the fourth wall, but it's not. And um, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting technique. Because for the longest time, I didn't make the connection. And then as the story weaves back into itself, I made the connection of like, oh, wait, that opening narrator's this guy who comments on the story throughout. So as you're reading the novel and we switch viewpoints from our omniscient narrator, who's not really omniscient, you get comments occasionally here and there where the narrator dips back in and you realize like, oh, I actually have been experiencing this from this narrator's viewpoint but the narrator is a character in the book and not just an omniscient narrator and not the author himself so that was really cool and comes in waves because uh the way it's written you know at first you could be confused but another thing about the opening too is that it discusses the unbearable lightness of being which is a book i really like a book that the narrator really likes and maybe a book that uh cat will i have no idea And it talks about this passage in which, um, it's whatever, kind of long, but I'll just read the end of it. It says, we need take no more note of it than of a war between two African kingdoms in the 14th century, a war that altered nothing in the destiny of the world, even if a hundred thousand blacks perished in excruciating torment. And this is just one of those things I completely glossed over upon reading that book. The narrator does too. He makes mention of that. And I just remember loving the book and... It says something about how ubiquitous these things are and how easily they slipped in they are. You know, that sentence, if you're not reading, if you're not reading really closely, I mean, you don't have to read that closely. It's like right there. It should, it should yell out at you. But if it's not pointed out, these things just are there, you know, and the unbearable lightness of being wasn't written in the 1930s, Uh, I believe it was written in the 1980s. So yeah, that was just interesting. And yeah, okay, so that was one entry point into the story. From there, you go into the second entry point where we learn the story of Lena and Lincoln. And this is where I almost turned on the novel because it's discussing Lena and Lincoln. And this is how we get to the viral video. And if you don't want to ruin this book, you should get out. Uh, But essentially, without giving up too many details, there's a police shooting. And when the police shooting first happens, uh, I believe I know that Lincoln is black. Now that I've read the whole book, I'm actually not positive that I know that Lincoln is black. Maybe I just assume he's black because he's being shot by the police. But so Lincoln is black and he gets shot by the police. And it turns out that the reason he gets shot by the police is because he's a changer. He changes into a wolf and not because he's a black man. And I was thinking like, oh, this is this book is just going to be that. then. it's going to be this like kind of weird allegory. Uh, and that's all this is going to be like, oh, you know, monsters and uh, black men and things like that. Now, for sure, there is an allegory in here about marginalization and monsters. and that That is certainly in here. But the book is so much more than that. And it wasn't just this like simple allegory. And also it wasn't uh, handled lightly. That was the other thing, too. I thought as I was first reading that part of the book you know just this is again the entry to the story right so we have the pre-entry with the narrator who we don't know is going to be our narrator and then we have an entry into like what feels like the actual story and actually the two things are very much linked but that entry into the actual story i was like ah is this it? Is This all this is going to be we're just going to have black people turn into wolves or monsters or something and then they're shot that ends up not being what it is but there is still uh an allegory having to do with marginalization, but the book becomes so much more than that. So what ends up happening is we go from that viewpoint of Lena and then we get multiple viewpoints, uh, characters like dragon Sandra Ridley, which is Lena's partner. They may be in an asexual relationship because Ridley is trans and asexual and we'll get to, I believe his pronoun is him. So we'll get to him in a moment. And then Rebecca, so we get all these different perspectives, and what you realize quickly is that uh, anybody can become a monster. That the world that Cadwell Turnbull uh, builds is much bigger than just like, oh, I made an allegory from black people to monsters. It's way bigger than that. It deals with all forms of marginalization. And that he's encompassed an entire world here just from a fantasy world building element that is much bigger than just like, it so happens that there are changes that exist. There are ancient orders that have been uh, recruiting monsters, like finding them and recruiting them. They go back hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, and they're at battle here. And everybody else in the novel is kind of a pawn in that battle, and that's what's going on. So that level of world building, I didn't know that it was going to get that deep, and then it got that deep, so that really makes the novel much more enjoyable than, oh, this is just a straightforward metaphor. So uh, it was my mistake to pin it as that, and it ended up being wrong. I ended up being wrong, and that was a good thing. It was good to be wrong. So let me talk about what I think is actually the most interesting part of this novel. I thought, and I think, and I believe, that this was like the most modern novel I've ever read. Now, I just mentioned earlier, I was reading Sally Rooney, and actually I was reading her on the subway today, and she was talking about uh, basically describing the interaction of you know, looking at a twitter thread where you go through and you, you read all of the 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 engagements and what people said and the replies to the replies and things like that yeah in one way that's very modern but this felt like startling. it like startled me how modern it was like it, it like it was unsettling because it had uh all right so I, I made a list of all the different things i think are on here um You have Black Lives Matters in some way or shape or form. That's in there, okay? You can just, like, at least the thread of it is in there. Climate change. So climate change and Black Lives Matters, it's more that, like, they're allegorically in the story, okay? Then straight up in the story, we have a trans character who's also asexual, and then uh, he is also biracial, okay? Uh, Like me. So if I say anything bad about biracial people, it's fine, because I'm biracial. Um, But trans, asexual, and biracial... Right, and then we have a bunch of characters from, from St. Thomas. So we've got the Black Diaspora in there. We have a public shooting. We have a famous uh, author, professor going on a TV show and kind of like lying to the public or just shielding himself or shielding his public persona from like his private, um, or excuse me, shielding his private ideas with his public persona. Right, that feels very modern. We have references to FKA Twigs, which is uh, cool. Uh, reference to X Men and woodworking, which maybe not super modern in one sense, but in another sense made me feel very much like, oh, this is a, a millennial thing, right? Like I know X Men, and I know people who are in their thirties who have weird habits like woodworking, weird habits, weird hobbies like woodworking. So it just felt ultra modern and, like, again, disturbingly so. Like, it's like um, one of the things about being alive at this moment is that if you turn on the news or your social media feeds, you'll be bombarded with a hundred things. And in a way, that's what this novel felt like. It felt like being bombarded with a hundred things. And I thought it did a fascinating job of capturing, capturing all of this, like, chaos and putting it in a book that is. It does not feel chaotic the way it's written. You know what I mean? The prose is not chaotic. The writing is not chaotic. It's very, very exact. And for this to be, for this to capture the moment we live in so well with all of its chaos, I thought was like insanely impressive. So just to run through the list again, allegorically, I think that you could say the Black Lives Matters thing is in there. Can't remember if it's legitimately 100% in the novel, but allegorically, it's in there. And so is climate change, right? So I think the idea of just, like, people, you know, what's called the fracture in the book, people looking at climate change and not being able to decide, like, is that real or is that not real? Or even if it's real, like, oh, it's real, great. I'm just going to go about my day. Do-do-do-do-do, right? Okay, so that's allegorically in there. And the Black Lives Matters thing with a, with an allegory to, um, you know, the monsters in the book. And you can, you can uh, also, you know, sub in any uh, marginalized group that you want. Um, but I'm going with, uh, with BLM because that was the most public thing that happened in the last, you know, year or two was the George Floyd protests after he was, uh, murdered by that police officer. Uh, and it happened on video. So there you go again, the viral video, another super modern thing. Then the public shooting that happens. So, uh, you know, by now, if you've not read this book and you're listening to this, I'm spoiling a lot of stuff here, but at a protest, there's a public shooting. That feels super modern and, like, unsettling for obvious reasons. Uh, The pundits, just the pundit thing on a show, you know, it made me think of, like, Jordan Peterson um, or some other academic who writes a book, and then they go on, and it's like, well, how much of this do they really even believe? Are they trying to make money? Et cetera, et cetera. F. K. Twigs, this just being an artist that, you know, 10 years ago couldn't have been a reference in a book because they weren't out. And then X-Men... I thought this was, so X-Men and woodworking were my last two examples because it just feels, I mean, and obviously the X-Men are way older than millennials, but like the X-Men cartoon is definitely something anybody my age grew up with. The fact that it references it, I thought had to be on purpose by Cadwell Turnbull because there's an easy and simplistic and, uh, you know, wrong line to draw to just say like, oh, this book's like X-Men, it's like they're X-Men. Or what was that? really bad NBC show is it called heroes maybe some people like that I have no idea but um there's a way to look at this and go like this has the same allegory as those you know the same metaphor same allegory as those uh works of fiction and I think that by Carol Turnbull mentioning it in the novel he's kind of jumping out in front of it and you know it's like hey yeah obviously there's there's influence here so that's one aspect of it but another aspect is that it's just general like. This is in the minds of people about my age, you know, X-Men. And we grew up with that allegory every Saturday afternoon. Uh, People who are different often get marginalized. So, um, yeah, but again, this book has way more world building going on. And just in general, the way the story is told is way more intricate. And so using that word intricate, let me end with this little section here woodworking by reading the woodworking passage which i which my note was intricate what i wrote next to this thing was uh, this passage was intricate and i meant the writing was intricate and that will also bring me to talking about the writing in general so um the character ridley has a woodworking uh, hobby i'm going to read you know a bit of this he quietly slips out of bed goes out to his car and returns with his woodworking bag Sitting down in a chair in the living room, he lays out his mat to collect the shavings. then takes out his multi-tool pocket knife, his thumb guard, and a moist cube of white cedar. I love that description. He begins his bird of happiness by rounding off the edges of the wings in the Russian tradition. He starts on the interlock, using his knife to score the wood on each side, so the block looks as if two little mouths had bitten into it. Next, he carves the wood down to a thin point to create the hinge for the feathers. And it just keeps going. Uh... And I mean, it goes for a bit. This this paragraph, one of the longer paragraphs, you know, the, the book, what I wrote here for the writing is this book feels more than just being modern. So I would say that was the biggest note I had is how modern and immediate this book felt. The second note I had was this book feels efficient. So that's an intricate passage there going into a lot of detail, but in general, the book just feels e- efficient. I once heard that uh, I've heard it described many times, actually, that James Elroy writes in these sh- uh, short staccato sentences. I wouldn't call these staccato sentences, but I would call these, like, efficient efficient sentences with not a word wasted. And then the chapters are efficient chapters, and then the sections are efficient sections. And that's one of the reasons why I blasted through this book. It just made me keep going, you know. But it's not a page-turner, because I usually think of that as, like, some kind of cheap pulp. Book that I'm reading for fun, which is in general, you know what I think we all think of page turners as. But I guess I'll bring up Sally Rooney again as another example of someone who I read who's not writing um, some kind of pulp fiction where I'm like, oh, I just want to keep reading these books, keep reading this book, and that's what happened to me reading No Gods, No Monsters. I was going through, going like, okay, 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 and I couldn't stop reading it. So I want to re- I want to highlight another passage of this efficiency or just really good writing uh my note on this section here was this is well literally i'll just read what i wrote and then i'll interpret it for you i wrote pointless because so much good writing so what i did was i highlighted the section and then after highlighting it i was like well it doesn't make any difference what you highlight the whole book's written well so like what are you going to do highlight the whole book and read it on the podcast doesn't make any sense uh but here's what i here's just i mean i don't even know if this will resonate with you but i just thought that this was such a good efficient well-written section so or a little passage okay uh fear keeps dragon so dragon is another uh, i think you can probably guess from the title of the book he's a monster dragon is a monster <laughs> surprise and um this is part of a section that told from his viewpoint fear keeps dragon nailed to the spot he listens to the door but hears nothing inside he doesn't dare try the knob again the house, the house takes a breath and holds it. All sound disappearing into the silence. That's great. The shadow stretches out, grows darker, deeper. The silence and the darkness of the moment remind him of late night, of late nights underground. For the first time, he wonders about the dangers of this new place. It's just perfect. That's what it is. I mean, that, that that's the thing. It's just perfect. So, uh, there's so much good writing in this book. That's like that, and it's basically every single sentence of the book that pace that tone that like you know it's like the woodworking it's it's intricately carved down so that uh he scored every single piece of this thing on both sides and you know it's like a it's like its own bird of happiness this book so the whole book feels like a perfectly formed thing and uh that's a really difficult thing to do you know like sometimes you read a book and one chapter's got this great flourish in it, and whatever, but maintaining the same tone throughout and in a book with so much going on too that's that's the other thing, like maintaining the same tone throughout if you have a book with one or two characters, all right, you know, but maintaining the same same tone throughout with like six, seven different people telling the story or told having the story told from their viewpoint kind of because we've got that omniscient, not omniscient narrator. Uh, The reason I say he's not omniscient is because he doesn't know everything. As You find out if you read the book. I won't give that part away. But maintaining that tone throughout, and then with all of the stuff that happens, I mean, there is a ton of stuff that happens that's like, wow, okay. um, That was wild. So, yeah, I just just, uh, thought it was an extremely well-written book. And before I get to the few more random things we have here, I just want to say, yeah, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this before I moved on to another book is because I, I really was blown away by the ability to take the chaos of the present moment, figure out how to make an allegory that is, you know, not unfamiliar, uh, feel fresh, build a world that feels like our world but different and mysterious. And then corral all of that into this nice, efficient package and then deliver it on my digital device <laughs> is an amazing feat. So, and, and again, I was almost like uh, turned off at the beginning of the book. I was very close just being like, I don't, I mean, I would have finished it because it was just so well written that it, I was going to finish this book no matter what. But I had this moment of like, I don't know, I don't know about the handling of the police shooting and the wherewithal. And then, you know, uh, not even a third of the way in the book. Maybe I was a third of the way into the book. I was like, oh, wow, this is really opening up into something just amazing. So uh, there's that. Okay. And then a couple of random notes before we sign off here. But um, if it's not been made obvious, I loved this book. It is a series. It says it's the first of the Convergence Saga. Uh, so that's exciting because now I've got a couple of different um sagas to look forward to i've got uh, of course uh, my man marlon james uh, and uh, and then this no gods no monsters i feel like they're kind of related to each other in a way um and i'll get to why in just a moment and then the children of blood and bone series it's young adult and i don't like young adult at all i have no i will not apologize that young adult sucks i'm sorry but that children of blood and bone series pretty solid you know for a young adult book so uh gonna read that so yeah so looking forward to these series um, but yeah, the Convergence Saga, uh, I assume that means series, maybe I'm misunderstanding what that means, but I assume that means that we're going to get a series. Uh, okay, there are two random things I wanted to talk about, um, that don't really, you know, didn't really tie into my modernity and efficiency, little spill there, was, there's a Blue Magic reference on page 19, and, uh, you have to be black, and, um, maybe in your 30s, I don't know how old Blue Magic is, but... The concept of a blue magic reference in a novel, love it. So, I'm on board. I have blue magic in my house right now to deal with my thinning hair. And then there is, uh, because this is a book, you know, with with uh, elements from St. Thomas and with a a black author who has uh, dug into the diaspora. I believe he's from St. Thomas. I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong about that, but. Um, we get some more non-Western folklore. So I'm about to butcher the name of this creature, uh, Sukoyant. Sukoyant. I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's awesome. It's a witch that looks like normal during the day. I think witch is probably even like not really accurate, but whatever. Definitely like a young woman. Looks normal during the day, and then at night strips off her skin and sucks blood awesome awesome character so that's cool and yeah it's great to like be getting this uh between this and um marlin but getting a lot of non-western folklore so so that's good and then uh and then yeah so looking forward to more of that in the next books assuming that Convergence saga means that we're getting more of I don't know why I thought it said Convergence Series and it says Convergence Saga, but I feel like we're getting more than one book, and I'm looking forward to it. Alright. That's going to do it for today. Uh, please like this on SoundCloud and subscribe on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes or Pocket Cast or whatever you use. Got a YouTube channel, so go to that. I make videos there every once in a while when I'm not Getting too busy at my other job, my real job, well, you know, the the one I get paid for. Uh, the intro and outro music is by the Keep Running. Check him out on SoundCloud. There's a link in the show notes. And I wrote a piece about Mister T- Turnbull's book, no excellent book, No Gods, No Monsters. It's on Medium, I'm on my Medium. So if you want to go look at that, there's a link in the show notes. I wrote a piece about Mister Turnbull's excellent book. So, if you want to read that, uh, there's a link in the show notes to that. And I believe that's going to be it. I'll be back next week with the first part of Distributed Blackness. Very dense academic work. With a lot of academic ease in it uh, by Andre Brock Jr. But I'm going to try to engage with it as much as possible. I think I'm going to do a chapter per week and try to keep it at like 15 minutes. And then, you know, just... Just talk about it quickly and then, you know, so instead of every two weeks for that, maybe just doing once a week, 15 minutes on the chapters. And it depends on how interested I am in it. I remember from what I read so far, wasn't as interested as I thought I was going to be, but we'll see. I haven't really dug into the work. I just read the intro, so we'll see. But okay, until next week, stay safe, stay black, and keep reading. enough at last. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. There was time now. There was... was all the time I needed. That's not fair. (laughs) That's not fair.